Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a playoff edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, coming to you after the Browns win 24-22 over the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week 17 to seal their fate as a playoff team this season. Yes, Browns finished the year 11-5. They will be the sixth seed taking on the Steelers once again next week, but this time in Pittsburgh, next time with a bunch of different players on the field. We'll get into all that and so much more, but this is a reaction podcast. And if you want an immediate reaction to the game, Peter Moses and Gates Merriman and Jordan Zerm all jumped on together immediately after to talk about this uh, in the game as well. But I wanted to go a little bit deeper in a reaction pod as well from my perspective. And part of that is, because I wanted to touch on the topic of why this meant so much, because I don't know about you guys out there, but when the Browns clinched a playoff spot, ending this drought, I was almost in tears and I got text messages from a couple of my friends that were felt similarly. You could see it on Twitter. This clearly meant a lot and why? And so that's how I want to start this before we get into the X's and O's and all the game is just take a step back. And for me, it boiled down to two things. Number one is it starts, it starts with Cleveland being a prideful city. And that's why to me, that's the number one reason it meant so much because look in general, Cleveland takes a lot of heat, right? As a city in general. And the people in Cleveland, myself included, often are tasked with defending ourselves. Whether it goes back to you know the fire of the river and or just in you know, all sorts of other things, a lot of times Cleveland is looked down upon as a city. And I think among the people, it's not that way at all. In fact, I think the people have a tremendous that are from Cleveland have a tremendous amount of pride and the fact that other people don't see that just brings us so much closer together and that translates to sports as well Cleveland is a prideful sports city and so yes the Cavs ended the drought in 2016 as far as championships go but the Browns in the most popular sport in America have been the butt of pretty much every joke for the last 20 years. And that's hard as, as a Browns fan. It's hard to deal with that as, as a city that has pride and has pride for its sports teams. You want to step up and defend them. And we often do anyway. But look, the ammo that we've had to fight back with hasn't exactly been there a whole lot the last 20 years. It's very hard to pick out the proud moments that you want to step up and defend it with so a lot of times and and I don't know about you other Browns fans out there but there have been many a times when I just haven't had the energy to to fight back anymore and and I've just kind of had to sit there and take it right you just oh the Browns haven't had a quarterback in so long or oh you guys have been so bad for so long and it's like that gets you that 
is under my skin and, and to finally, it was almost relief at first for me to be like, finally, my team is stepping up to represent the city in the way that I am proud of. I am so proud of this. And it was such a great feeling and it did really mean that much. And the second piece of it to me is the city it not only is a prideful sports city, but look, the Browns are this city. The Browns are the number one team in Cleveland. And look, I love all the Cleveland teams. I love the Cavs. I love the the Cleveland Indians to be named something else. I don't care. I, I love them all. I, I really, I root for all of them. I, when the Cavs were in the playoffs, I watched every game. When the Indians were in the playoffs, I watched every game. And so, yeah, that 2016 championship meant a ton to me, probably more than just making the playoffs in football. But I don't think that's the feeling shared by the rest of Cleveland. I really don't. I think the Browns, they just, they reign supreme so much as the number one team in the city. And I think there are a bunch of different reasons for that. It's a historic franchise, number one. So I, you, look, your grandparents grew up rooting for the Browns. Your dad grew up rooting for the Browns. Your mom grew up rooting for the Browns. That's how it is in my family. And, and so that's where you have that historic piece of it that really creates generational fandom. And on top of that, the Browns have been good in the past. This isn't like, you know, an Indians team that hasn't won a World Series since 1948. This isn't like a Cavs team that hasn't had a lot of success, but also isn't that, you know, ingrained into the city. This is a Browns team that was one of the best franchise, was the best franchise really pre-Super Bowl area, era, excuse me, and has been a, a really strong franchise several times in the past. So it's it's a historic franchise that's part of the fabric of the NFL and a part of the fabric of the city. And and on top of that, of course, you know, the, the NFL is the bigger sport and, and all of that. And but I also think it's not just that it's football that 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 football is more popular because there are uh, other cities where you know, basketball and baseball mean more than football. To me it's because Football reflects Cleveland. It's a tough sport. It's a sport you got to grind. It's a Midwest kind of sport. That's why Ohio's so good at football in high school and in college is because football reflects a lot of Cleveland. And it's not a, necessarily a glamour sport either, right? He, look, in football, one player often gets the shine. The receiver who catches the ball, the running back sometimes, the quarterback, maybe the defensive end who gets a sack. But there are a lot of guys who have to do their jobs that don't get the shine. And we talk about them sometimes. The offensive linemen. Hey, on a running back, you know, on a big running play, the receiver's got to block downfield. On a sack play, hey, maybe it's because the guy's covering did a really good job. But nobody's really going to talk about that because they're not the ones getting the sack. And all of that kind of comes into play where a lot of football is doing your job and not always getting the credit for it, but kind of grinding anyway, taking pride in it anyway, because you know that you played a part in the result. And I don't know, to me, it, that's what makes this sport so fascinating to watch is there's so many different elements 
And also to me, it's part of the reason we care so much is it reflects a lot back to us, our values, especially as a Midwestern city. And I don't even live in Cleveland anymore. I live in Chicago, but I still carry those with me. And for those of you that are no longer living in Cleveland, but are Browns fans or lived in Cleveland and now have moved, you carry that with you that they, Hey, this is earn everything you get kind of place that it's cold. Sometimes it's dark sometimes. And you've got to fight through that. And that's what a lot of football is. And so it just, it, it really, the combination of that and, and how much pride Clevelanders have for their city, how much pride they have for their sport. I think it, it really meant a lot. It meant more than in, in most places. And part of me is sad that we couldn't be there together celebrating. And I know some people were in the stands, but I wasn't in Cleveland for this game. I couldn't be around, you know, all my family and friends that I typically, you know, would be watching these games with, whether it's people I grew up with, whether it's my cousins. I mean, all those people, we all have such an investment and we, and we couldn't be there for this together. And, and that part stings a little bit because it does mean that much. And it meant that much to so many different people. And you could see it all over with uh, the messages I got, the texts, the social media posts, all of it. It meant so much. And I was so glad that it did happen, even in these less than ideal circumstances, just because everybody in Cleveland deserves this. At the end of the day, that's the kind of the takeaway for me is, is we deserved this. Finally, Browns fans have stuck it out for more than 17 years because yeah, that was the playoff drop, but it's been longer than that since we've had a team really, you know, to get excited about and Browns fans have stuck through that. And it's not, it can't be overstated enough how difficult that's been. There hasn't been a player to latch onto. There hasn't been a team to latch onto with their success. And Browns fans have still stuck it out and have been a rabid fan base. And so congratulations to all of you out there for sticking through it. And I just want to, again, we all deserved this. So that's how I wanted to start the show is just kind of thinking about that and, and why it meant so much. Cause it did for me. And I'm guessing it meant a lot for a lot of you out there as well. All right. I, I, I want to transition to a second piece that is also kind of big picture and the Browns just went 11 and five. They made the playoffs. And I kind of still think, not even kind of, I, the, the season is still being underrated for what the Browns just did. And I'm going to go through a, a bunch of different reasons why. I mean, this is the best record the Browns have had since 1994. 11 and five. And it's the circumstances that they did it in. Of all years, for this to be the year, a, a franchise that has struggled so much with infrastructure and carrying it over from, you know, the past and building culture, all of that, you would think in this type of season, everybody at the beginning of the year stressed, well, it'll be the mainstays. People like the Steelers, like the Ravens that have that culture that are used to, think, you know, have chemistry, all that, that are, that those will be the ones that will be successful this year. It's going to be really hard for a team like the Browns. Well, the Browns did it anyway. And they did it with an entire new coaching staff 
Kevin Stefanski came in this year. Joe Woods, uh, yeah, all, all, all these guys, new coaching staff. They had no offseason. They had limited practice. They had to deal with a whole bunch of circumstances that they've never had to deal with in their pro career as an assistant with the COVID-related absences, all that, yada, yada, yada. And, and they still got to 11 wins. Baker Mayfield, the most important player on this Browns team as the quarterback, he made a leap this year, and that was evident yesterday, right? Because he played a really good game, and we'll get into all that and more. But he made the third-year leap this year. And when you listen to people talk about the sport, they always say it's really hard, actually, to make that third-year leap. A lot of guys after year two are projected to make that third-year leap, and they don't. But Baker did, and he did it with no offseason again. He did it with limited practice time with his players. He did it with limited practice time with his new coaching staff, like we just talked about. And he still, week by week, got better, got better, got better. Here's another thing. People always talk about injury luck in football. That's a big term you'll hear thrown around in the offseasons, right? Who did better or worse than expected? Well, injury luck, because that's just kind of part of the game. Some years it doesn't go well for you. So if you look at a team, hey, maybe the Browns, you know, in the eyes of the national media, overachieved this year. So did they have injury luck? Well, no, not really. Not at all. In fact, they had major injuries to Nick Chubb. Odell Beckham's obviously lost for the season. Miles Garrett missed a bunch of time. Denzel Ward's missed a bunch of time. Wyatt Teller, arguably one of the best offensive linemen or best players really in football missed a ton of time as well. They've had cluster injuries in the secondary and at linebacker. I mean, hell, I didn't even know who Robert Jackson was guys. I'll admit that I, he, I saw he was starting yesterday and I was like, who? Because he played 9% of defensive snaps in one game this year. And we had to start him in a potential playoff clinching game. And, and that's injuries. And kind of on top of that, if you will, COVID Injury. I mean, they're not injuries, but luck almost, it, it almost factors in this year. It's, it's like an injury to an extent where you're missing games, where when you come back, you may not be a hundred percent. The Browns have dealt with that basically just as much as anybody. And they dealt with it also in the most pivotal part of their season. And it happened with key players. Like again, Miles Garrett, Ward, all of these guys all over the place in through all of that, all of that, they were able to persevere and come through and win 11 games. And not only did they win 11 games, they didn't even lose two games in a row. They didn't lose two games in a row. They figured out a way to rebound every time after something like this happened. And that's a credit to Stepanski. That's a credit to Baker. That's a credit to Andrew Barry, who we haven't even really talked about a ton on this podcast. But look at the guys that have to play, that he selected, that are all over the place on this team, having to step up. I mean, Jacob Phillips had to step up in a big way. Donovan Peoples-Jones has had to step up in a big way this season. All of these guys have, uh, you know, Harrison Bryant's playing a ton. All over the place, we've had to plug in guys because guess what? We haven't had the injury luck. We haven't had the COVID luck. And we had to deal with an entire new coaching staff, and we still figured out a way. And... The last kind of thing that I, I want to touch on is this, and it'll be seen as a negative. I promise you, you're going to hear this thrown out this week. The Browns have a negative point differential at 11 and five. They're the first team ever to have a negative point differential 
at 11 and five. And you're going to hear that this week because it's everybody's favorite thing to bring up with overrated playoff teams and all of that. So I promise you, Browns fans, you're going to hear this from the national media this week. And a lot of people are going to see that as a negative. And we'll talk about what that means in terms of, you know, this team and next season and all that. And maybe did they overachieve, but I want to, I want to not overlook the obvious when it comes to a negative point differential. The Browns won a ton of close games this year. The Browns got blown out twice this year. They've recovered easily. That does not happen. That is not the old Browns that we're used to winning close games like they did against the Steelers in this last game, not blowing it, getting blown out the week before, and then having the mental fortitude to come back and win again, winning a tight close game one week, and then having the mental fortitude to come back and do it again the next week. That does not happen as Browns fans. We are not used to that, but the Browns did that this year. There was a culture shift. This was a new kind of Browns team this season. And I, and I feel like that's being overlooked. The Browns did not do what we thought they were going to. I made a joke about it heading into the fourth quarter, figuring out all the ways the Browns could blow this. They got close, but they didn't. They got close, but they didn't blow it. And that is, again, such an important thing for this team going forward is a culture shift. They got out of being the old Browns that had so much negativity surrounding them. They flipped a new page in the book this season. And that's why ultimately this season is underrated. This is a new Browns. This is a new Browns team. New coaching staff, a better quarterback, and a new culture where they were able to overcome all of this. They were over, able to overcome the injuries. They were able to overcome the COVID issues and absences that they had over the last several weeks. And, and they were able to overcome all that and win 11 games anyway. That is exciting, Browns fans. All right, I, I do want to touch on, on what happened in the game a little bit. I know we've kind of gone big picture in this one. So thanks for sticking with me out there, Browns fans. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors, but in the final kind of section of this podcast, we will talk about the game a little bit and more so why I actually think you guys should be pretty optimistic heading into next week against the Steelers. Hey everyone. I want to tell you about blue wire hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at blue wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you as well. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips, tricks, and, and best practices, everything you need to know in order to get that podcast off the ground and, and to a top level. So on top of that, we're going to help get your show out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you get all of this 
for just $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site that would charge you for the initial setup out there. Just the ones you can use on your own. Why not launch with Blue Wire Hustle where you actually get the tools to succeed? So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply to Blue Wire Hustle, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, and we're back here on the Rebuild talking Brown Steelers Week 17. The Browns win 24-22 and overcome all of their demons to end the playoff drought. They will face the Steelers again next next week in Pittsburgh. And we haven't really talked about what actually happened in this game yet. And there's a reason for that because making the playoffs was a bigger picture deal for the Browns. But I do want to touch on a little bit of what happened in this game because I already heard it from, from Peter and Jordan and, and the guys in, in the reaction podcast. And I'm hearing it from a bunch of other people as well. Well, the Browns barely beat the Steelers backups. And that means they're playing with house money next week. They're really, they don't have, a lot of people don't think they have a good chance to win next week. And and I'm not saying they should be favorites by any means heading into Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's defense is really good and, and all of that. But I kind of, I, I thought that was actually a little bit misleading in, in terms of what actually happened in this game. I thought the final score, first of all, was misleading. Yeah, it was 24-22, but the Browns were controlling this game. The Browns were up 24-9. The Steelers, in order to get within one score, I mean, they got two fourth downs, including a fourth down and 10 play that went all the way for touchdown. And yes, it was a good play, but that was, that was a little, that was lucky to get two fourth down conversions in, in over five yards, one of which resulting in a touchdown. That's unusual. The Browns also had a couple drives where they didn't get points or didn't get as many points as you would expect. They were inside the five-yard line at one point, didn't get points, all of that. It was a, a tough weather day where they couldn't kick the field goal uh, from 30, you know, from 50 yards out. Uh, and I, ultimately, at the end of the day, I thought the Browns controlled this game. And then I thought there were actually a bunch of reasons to be optimistic. And Zerm was was joking that the Browns fans were going to talk our way into thinking we have a chance this week in Pittsburgh throughout the week, just because that's what happens the more and more you're away from the game. But I actually, I I came away from this game thinking, wow, there there are actually some really positive indicators for this team uh, against the Steelers next week. And as I said, that doesn't mean I think the Browns are going to be favored. I, I still think they're underdogs, but the way people are talking about it, it's like they don't have a chance. And I, and I just don't see that. And I think it starts, I actually, uh, the thing I was most optimistic with about this game was the Browns defense. And for a couple of reasons, number one, they were all over Mason Rudolph. They got tons of pressure in this game and they're basically playing the Steelers first string offensive line. And I've talked about it. I'm going to keep talking about it. The fact that the Steelers offensive line has two pro bowlers on it is absurd because the Browns worked them, and Charlie Villanueva got had a really tough day against Claiborne. And if the Browns could put pressure on, on Steelers, this is not the Big Ben of old. Big Ben is not mobile the way he used to be. 
I think the Browns are going to be able to do that again. And, and I don't really see why not. Marquise Pouncey, the, the Steelers center, was the only Steelers starter that didn't play on the offensive line. And a lot of the pressure for the Browns was on the outside. It was on the edges against the tackles. And guess what? The, the Steelers don't have anybody better to play next week. So I, I think that's going to continue. I also thought Mason Rudolph actually played pretty well. And shame on me for tweeting and, and talking of, about him in a negative way, kind of prior to this game and then in the game itself for a little bit, because I actually thought he made a bunch of throws down the field that were, that were pretty solid. And as I said, there were a lot, there was a lot of pressure on Mason Rudolph all day. And all, the ceiling of Big Ben is certainly much higher than, than what Mason Rudolph showed today. That, that's fair. But it wasn't like Mason Rudolph played a terrible game either. So it, it's not like Big Ben's just going to come in and automatically be so much better than, than how Mason Rudolph played in, in this game. The pick for Mason Rudolph wasn't good, but Big Ben's had plenty of those as well in his career. So I don't know. I, to me, that, that I, I think that the difference there won't be as much as people expect. Another thing was, the, and hopefully this is going to change, is the Steelers targeted Robert Jackson all a ton and Robert Jackson it was his first NFL start out of UNLV he's barely played for the Browns all season and hopefully he's not going to be playing next week I mean a ton of the big plays were against Robert Jackson and there's just I just I have it written down all over my note huge play against Jackson clearly targeting Jackson early Steelers attack Jackson on fourth down and six I mean, they all, they just, they kept going at him and hopefully he'll be replaced by one of, if not both Kevin Johnson and Denzel Ward. I am not sure on their statuses next week. It sounded like Ward might've actually tested positive for the virus, which means he, he is, he could be in jeopardy, but Robert Jackson, I would be surprised if he's playing next week. And so the, the Steelers took advantage of that matchup as they should have, but that's not something that's going to carry over. And, and the final piece of this is, the Steelers still couldn't run the ball at all. And, and that kind of got glossed over because they did have a lot of total yards, but they ran the ball for 85 yards on 20 attempts. That's not very good. And that's been the problem with the Steelers team all year is, is they are one dimensional because they can't run the ball and they didn't do that any better this week against the Browns. So I don't know. I, to me, I saw a lot of indicators that, that, indicate that show I think the Browns defense can actually hold up a lot better than people think next week against the Steelers I I feel a lot more confident in the Browns defense than than most people now on the offensive side of the football I think there are actually more concerns a couple of good things again to be optimistic with we got back to running the ball today and I talked about this on the last podcast briefly with Spencer Mahone and and I just want to reiterate it Browns fans, do not, do not, do not read into what happened against the Jets. The Jets played a defensive scheme that no NFL team is playing if the Browns have their receivers. And if you need more detail on it, I've said it once, I'll say it again. Go check out Jake Burns' breakdowns on Twitter or on the OBR report. But uh, it, it would never happen. It's not going to happen again as long as the Browns have their receivers. The Browns can run the football. And they ran it really well today and they got back to it and they did it a bunch. And I think they had 192 yards of rushing and they're going to be able to do that. I think next week as well. So that's the good thing is the Browns got back to their identity a little bit. And for anybody who was concerned about what happened in that Jets game, forget about it, forget about it. We're fine. 
The other important thing is I thought Baker Mayfield played another really, really good game. I thought he was sharp. I thought he made tons of great throws. I thought he did a great, his pocket presence is just so improved this year. Not only the 28 yard scramble that, that he had, but the three yard scrambles, the five yard scrambles, those are happening because Baker Mayfield's feeling pressure and not bailing out just like back right every time. He steps up sometimes and that creates a whole different dynamic for this team. He's just, he's playing so much better and the progress he made between the last Steelers game and this one, tremendous, absolutely tremendous. And so if he's going to play that sharp, I think the Browns have a chance to hang in there on offense. Now that offensive line versus defensive line matchup is going to be one to watch. And we'll, uh, we're going to have, of course, a whole preview on this game. You know, we're going to have a whole preview for you ready to go already figuring out how that's coming together, but that offensive line defensive line matchup, that's going to be the key because the, the Steelers have, plenty of talent there but again so many reasons for me to be optimistic I I don't know I, so many people came away from that game like oh the Browns only won by two against the Steelers backups and yes they did and they made it more difficult than they had to because guess what they're the Browns and they're trying to get into the playoffs and of course they were going to make us sweat it out and stress and put my heart right through the roof but I I don't know if it was just me Brian says I'd love to hear from you as well if, if you're on Twitter I'm at Henry underscore Edinger I I I just thought the, the Browns actually played pretty well in this game and controlled the game. And there were tons of reasons to be optimistic going forward. I thought it was a little overrated that everybody was just like, Oh, they barely beat the Steelers backups. That's not really how I saw this game personally. So look next week, we'll see when the, the everything comes out Browns fans, but it's going to be a playoff game. First time since 2002, the Browns are going to have a playoff game. That cannot be overstated. It can't. 11 and five. That's better than I thought the Browns were going to do this season. I don't know about you guys. I'm sure, you know, some of you guys were, were optimistic, but I, I had the Browns kind of like nine and seven, maybe 10 and six with an easier schedule. The Steelers were good. The Ravens were good. And the Browns hung in there. They went 11 and five this season. They are a playoff team. So get excited Browns fans get excited the Browns travel to Pittsburgh for their wild card matchup this week we will have breakdowns coming for you on this feed we're going to have tons of content of course and then we'll also talk about the game after it happens because win or lose Browns fans we are gonna be there with you when it all goes down so and and one other thing I just I want to touch on here and I didn't do it before the end of the new year. And I know it's already a couple of days into 2021. So it's worn off. I just want to give a huge thank you to all the Browns fans out there. You guys that have followed us throughout this season. It, it was incredible to look at the numbers this year. More than 20,000 different people listened to this podcast this year. And that was really cool to see. You guys have stayed with us. Thanks to Jordan and Peter and Gates for having me on this feed. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk Browns with you guys every week, but the audience grew a ton this year. It was remarkable to see. And it, it just, it gave me a, a lot of pride as well. Like we kind of talked about at the beginning of the show with the city, I have a lot of pride as, as a Cleveland Brown sports fan. And I love to talk about the team. And so somebody giving me the opportunity out, out there, as I said, from the guys on this feed, I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful for you guys for listening to me out there as well. And 
look, 2020 was a rough year. Absolutely it, for everybody. And I hope everyone's doing well out there. A happy new year to you. I hope 2021 brings so many better things for all of you out there. And I'm thankful for the Browns for, for getting us through this and for being successful this season, because that's given us and me a very welcome distraction from everything going on. So I just wanted to touch on that before I, I wrapped up today's show is thanks for, to everybody out there for listening. Uh, and I hope you guys, as I said, had a happy holidays and, and I hope you guys have a really, really good 2021. All right. And until next time, Browns fans, we're going to give you a preview pod and so much more. I promise. As I said, I'll be on Twitter this week at Henry underscore Ettinger between episodes. If you want to reach me there, but uh, until our preview pod coming later in the week, go Browns. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.